The following program is for men aged 18 and over. This program contains adult content aimed at men who have sex with men. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The Steam Room on Gay SA Radio. Brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pila Project. On the show tonight... And after nine is a heterosexual who engages in homosexual activities after 9pm. <laughs> I mean, what else? I don't know if it's a touchy issue for me to say identity crisis. And now it's like back to normal. And now he needs to put his hands up my... <laughs> for the next three hours, we will be exploring the theme of after nines. Stay streaming here on GSA Radio where you are family. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. This is The Steam Room, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pillar Project. I am Ray, and on tonight's show, we'll be exploring the topic of after nines. We spoke to some people to find out what they thought this term meant and what they had to say about it. What do you understand about the term after nine? An after nine is a heterosexual who engages in homosexual activities after 9 p.m. <laughs> I mean, what else? So, um, the term after nine for me means a person who's attracted to the same sex but isn't comfortable enough yet to accept themselves and live their life freely. Well, after nine, according to me, is a person who lives a double life, according to my understanding. Um, it's a person who is straight during the day and at night they change to be homosexual per se so they're basically living a double life whereby um, during the day there's something else and at night there are another thing how prevalent is this phenomenon well it is quite a big thing you know it is happening there are a lot of afternoons out there um and a lot of them prefer to stay that way due to the effects of um, what are people going to think of me or if I come out or should they know about this? How are they going to treat me? How are they going to look at me? You know, so it is quite there and it's happening. After nine is quite common um, in the day and age that we're living in. Um, you tend to think that people will be free to be who they are and express their feelings. But we find that it's quite difficult for a person to be out of the closet. A reason being, uh, we all run after acceptance. We, we think merely because um, people think um, heterosexuality is normal. Um, we, we, we tend to hide ourselves, we tend to enclose ourselves and enclose our emotions merely to be accepted by society. So it's quite easy for a person to live as an after nine than a person to live as a homosexual or bisexual individual. They tend to find more acceptance in the community and it's quite easy for them to go about day by day um, without anyone putting a tag on them that they are gay, which is something that most of the after nines find very difficult to accept that um, I'm this individual and I need to accept myself the way I am. They tend to be more comfortable in doing things behind closed doors without anyone knowing. Nowadays, there's so many categories and people falling into those categories that it's part of life I think it's not actually something funny anymore you know what I wouldn't be surprised it was more prevalent than what I think it is right I think I think it's definitely out there I think that there's a definite subculture that does exist um, and yeah I don't I don't know enough to be able to be like it's this this large mm. um, but I'm pretty sure it's larger than what I think it is I think it's more prevalent than we realize um, statistically, I won't be able to tell you, but I think it's just something that's more common that we would think. I think in in their circle of of networking, it is, and they know about it, and they have conversations about it. So I think it's very prevalent. 
Um, it's just us, the general public, wouldn't know about it. But once you get into that space, or once you get introduced into it, you will see that it's actually a lot of people that are um, into that space. Do you or know of anyone else who identifies as an after nine? I've dated an after nine, believe it or not. Um, and it was just a mess. It was a wrecking ball. It was disastrous. I mean, you have to be hidden in the afternoon and be seen after nine. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? So yeah, I've recognized a lot of after nines. Still, still see a lot of them out there. I do know a couple of people who are after nines. I don't know if they identify themselves as that, but you know, their way of life and um, their way of living clearly puts them in that category. So yeah. What do you think of men who fall into this category? Well, confusion and more confusion. Actually, as a matter of fact, you're confusing me. I mean, you cannot eat a burger and fish at the same time. Pick one. I think the only privilege with this is for someone to be able to live um, the best of both worlds, I could say. Um, because in many cases, you'd find that a lot of after nines have like a straight life, um, a heterosexual life rather, um, broad daylight, you know. Some of them have wives, some of them have kids and stuff, you know. And after hours, they, you know, get to do other stuff with other men. So I think maybe that could be the privilege for them. I think that, you know, human beings got to do their thing. I can imagine it can be, you know, quite, quite difficult uh, living a particular life during the day and then uh, switching it up at night. Um, I can imagine the stigma attached um, can be quite intense as well. I don't have a, a clear understanding of them. Um, it, it was my, one of my first times hearing this. Actually, last night we were having such a conversation. So, but I would say that... Um, yeah, they're doing them. So they're living their lives. I don't judge. So if that's your thing and that works for you, then by all means, as long as you don't hurt anybody in the process. There's no judgment here, actually. If it is your thing, I mean, why not? Um, I suppose it's, uh, it's up to them what they want to do and what they... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the type to judge. I'm very... First of all, if I'm right with a concept, then why the hell do they just need to be it after nine? <laughs> so <laughs> it's not quite understandable. Do you have a partner? Is there something that you're hiding? What's up? Gay SA Radio, where you are family. You're listening to The Steam Room, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pillar Project. I'm Ray, and tonight we're exploring the topic of after nines. We chatted to Bruce Little from Anova Health Institute. Hi, I'm Bruce J. Little, and I'm the content creator for the Anova Health Institute. Bruce, first things first, what is your precise definition of an after nine? So the term after nine is quite a loose term. It's slang. Um, it, it's a term used for somebody who is generally known to be heterosexual or somebody who identifies as being heterosexual, often married men, and who then after 9pm in the evening will visit certain venues uh, or taverns or certain people's residences and then engage in a, a gay or homosexual relationship or experience with another man, but on the down low. And what are some of the reasons people would have sex like this? So we still live in a society that is very critical of gay men and bisexual men and there's stigma attached and there's discrimination and because of that a lot of men who are sexually fluid or who enjoy occasionally engaging in sexual acts with other men or even men who are mostly uh, homosexual in terms of their desires prefer to hide that identity from other people or their communities or their wives and children. And how prevalent would you say is this phenomenon? It's very difficult for us to gauge exact numbers because obviously these people by their very nature are hidden. 
they're not coming. They're called after nuns because they hide and they only make their presence known after nine, supposedly. So they're like the mystical creature of the Loch Ness Monster. We know that, you know, whereas the Loch Ness Monster, we don't have any evidence, but we know for a fact that after nines exist because men who identify as homosexual, gay, or bisexual are having sex with these men who identify as after nines. So it's sort of not empirical evidence, but it's secondary uh, research evidence and data has indicated to us that there are quite a number of men like this, but it's very difficult to ascertain exact numbers, obviously. And do after niners face even more stigma than general population of men who have sex with men? And if so, why? It's very difficult to generalize, you know, a statement about that. So one could argue that after nines actually face a lot less discrimination because most people don't know that they engage in same-sex acts with other men. So their identity is hidden and therefore any kind of discrimination, stigma or phobia towards homosexual acts is then they're protected from that. You know, And often many of these men are married, have children, and to society they appear as heteronormative and you know, it's the everyday sort of married straight man. So I would say in many ways they probably face a lot less stigma and discrimination from society. But within the LGBTQ community, they face quite a lot of resentment and, I suppose, criticism because they aren't coming out and being open about who and what they are. And what are some of the health issues that these men face and why? So after nines technically fall under a canopy that we at the Innova Health Institute refer to as MSM, which is men who have sex with men. And all men who have sex with men, whether they identify as gay, bi or heterosexual, if you're a man who has sex with other men, you are at higher risk of HIV infection as well as HIV transmission, as well as other STIs like gonorrhea, syphilis, and any of the other sexually transmitted infections. And because of that, these men need to be extra careful when engaging in sexual acts with other men. And often, you know, just as with any other MSM situations, they have to use condoms and water-based lube like anybody who's engaging in anal sex because anal sex is a much riskier sex to have in terms of HIV transmission than vaginal sex. So anyone who is engaging in anal sex with a man and a woman or two men, and two men are generally more prevalent in terms of having anal sex, are at higher risk of HIV transmission. So that's something that MSM need to be cognizant of. And because they also are not open about being having sex with other men, they are not engaging with members of society who could help them. So for example, you know, somebody who is an after nine who doesn't identify as gay or bisexual is not going to go to a, a clinic like Health for Men necessarily because he doesn't identify as one of those people. So he won't get sexual health information or get the treatment that he might need as someone who has sex with another man because he doesn't want his doctor or any other healthcare provider to know that he's having sex with men on the down low. So that's why these men are particularly vulnerable to STI transmission because they live in the shadows and they don't come out and it's very difficult to reach them because they live in such a secretive, almost cloak and dagger existence. That was Bruce Little speaking to us about what it means to be an after nine. Coming. Don't pull out. I have a climax. I'm not really going soft. Seriously? Uh, what? <sighs> Whatever. Uh, Nothing. Uh, 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 that was amazing. It's so much better without the condom. It is? I wouldn't know, uh, hey? It wasn't good for you. I guess it's just I prefer sex where I get to come too. Why do you do that? I'm sorry, babe. Uh, I just get too into it sometimes. It's like you don't even care about me when we're fucking. Sizwe, can we please not start this now? We only have a few more minutes before I have to go home. <sighs> do you want to smoke? No, it's okay. Uh, Open the window. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
You still haven't fixed this thing. Show me the funds and I'll show you a new window. I'm a waiter. Uh, are you sure you don't want one? Yes. And are we on for tomorrow night? Sizwe? I don't know. You tell me. I just asked you. Why don't you ask your wife? You know how she likes making last minute plans. I'm gonna go get water. Can I get some too? Get it yourself. Why are you angry? Here's your water. Thanks. Why are you still in bed? Huh? Didn't you say you had to go home? I do, but I'm not leaving until you speak your mind. Why are you suddenly mad at me? You were all smiles earlier. Really, Tabo? What? Really? Seriously. How long are we going to keep playing this game? I'm not playing any games. Then you tell me what you would call this, because it feels like one to me. I'm going to need you to be a whole lot more direct, because if you're talking about the coming before you, of then... Of course I'm not, and you know I'm not. I'm talking about your wife. You know, the one you go home to after you fuck me. Tell me, do you fuck her right after you fuck me? Sizwe. No, really, tell me. Am I just a pit stop on your escapade as you go around spreading your seed to everyone in sight? Huh? We've had this conversation before, Sizwe. I've told you, you're the only one. No, I'm not. She's there too. Let's never forget that. Sizwe, babe. What, Tabo? Baby. <sighs> Sizwe, babe. Come lay down with me. Don't be mad. This isn't a joke, Tabo. This is how I feel. I know, baby. I know. I understand. Come. Come lay down with me. <laughs> there we go. Are you comfortable? Yeah. You want to talk about it? You have to go. She's gonna get suspicious. It's okay. I can handle it. How sure are you? Very. It's just... Tabo, it's getting harder to say goodbye to you every time you have to leave. I don't know how much longer I can take this. It's been a while. I know. It's been a long time. A very long time. More than a year of this now. I promise you, I'm not sleeping with anyone else. I know. I know that you're not. It doesn't make it any easier, though. Sizwe, I love you. I love you, too. But isn't that the same thing you say to your wife every night? Uh, Sizwe, could you take table three for me? Party of two, I'm swamped. I don't know why they keep overbooking the place for dinner, I think. Sure, one of my tables just left. Thank you, you're a star. No problem. Hi there, my name is Sizwe and I'll be your waiter for this evening. Can I get you started on drinks? Yes, please. Starbo, what do you want? Hi there. Oh, uh, yes, hi. Um, don't I know you from somewhere? I don't know. Oh, yes, yes. Um, you're Lerato's son, aren't you? Yes. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I know your mother. Oh, that's cool. Lovely woman. This is my wife, Gloria. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. So, drinks? You can bring me a Coke, please. And I'll have a double whiskey, no ice. Coming up. What are you doing here? You know I work here. I'm sorry, my wife chose the place. She's fat. Sizwe, come on. I can't believe you could be so inconsiderate, Chavo. What the fuck, man? I told you I didn't choose the restaurant. That's what I came into the bathroom to tell you. You could have convinced her to change her mind or pretend to call and say we're fully booked up. Sizwe, by the time I found out she had already made the reservation, there was no getting out of it. And why would you say that you know me? That just makes things even more awkward. I think it would have been more awkward if we had pretended we didn't know each other. Your face gave it away immediately. Oh, so you're going to blame me now? How am I supposed to react when the man I'm sleeping with waltzes in here with his wife on his arm? I didn't mean for it to happen like this. I'm just trying to make the best of a bad situation here. Oh, so I'm a bad situation now. I see how it is. No, you know that's not what I mean. Sizwe, I'm sorry. And what am I supposed to do now? Walk around like nothing's going on and serve her all night like I'm not fucking her husband? Huh? Do you even know what kind of situation you put me in? It's not my fault. No, Tabo. Nothing's ever your fault. Tabo can never take the blame for anything. Sizwe, I love you. <laughs> Do you think saying that every time I get upset is going to make everything better? I won't let you manipulate me like that anymore. That's not what I'm trying to do. Then what do you call it, Tabo? 
because from where I'm standing, it feels like you're trying to manage me with those words. Like I'm the little faggot you have to keep from going crazy with cheap drinks so you can have your cake and eat it too. That's not how I think of you. It doesn't matter. That's how your actions make me feel. But my feelings aren't really something you've ever considered. You're cheating on your wife and you hide me in a corner because you hate yourself. You're a gay man. Deal with that shit. You're a fucking faggot. Just like me. Sizwe, if you don't stop this shit, I'm gonna get angry. And then what? Huh? Sizwe, keep your fucking voice down. We're in public. Don't look so bothered. Please don't forget to get back to your table. I have orders to take. Hi. I can't believe you showed up here. Not even a high back? No, Tabo. I can't just move on like nothing ever happened. Can I come in? I guess I can't say no now, can I? We wouldn't want the neighbors to see you now, can we? I am sorry about Elia. I didn't mean for any of that to happen. I promise I won't let it happen again. And that's all you have to say for yourself? I'm sorry. Aren't you going to say anything? Tabo... Tabo, don't you wish we were a normal couple? Sizwe. No. Seriously. Don't you wish that? That we could walk down the street and hold hands? Or go to a restaurant and have dinner? And neither of us would have to run away somewhere after? We could go home. Isn't that something you want? Sizwe, I don't know what to say to you. Just tell me what you want. Just tell me because it's a conversation that's long overdue. I... I I don't know if that's something I can give you right now. Don't say right now, if you mean ever. I don't have an answer for you. Tell me if that's something you want. That's the question I want an answer to. Do you want to be with me? I am with you. With only me. I can't make that decision. Tabo, I want you to leave your wife for me. So that we... <laughs> So that we can stop with this whole charade. And I can introduce you to my friends as the man I love. Tabo, do you love me, eh? And think before you answer. Don't just say to get me to do what you want or to get me to forget about what happened earlier. Sizwe, I love you. Then do something about it. That was The Love You Fake, written by Arlen Bantam. It featured Ditsejo Ditsejo as Sizwe, Lerato Palakachela as Tabo, Anna Marie Baird as Gloria, and Enric Baird as Waiter. Direction by Enric Baird and final production was done by Ethan Baird. This play was produced as part of The Steam Room, which is brought to you by the National Department of Health's Pillar Project. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. And so we come to the end of the first hour of the Steam Room here on Gay SA Radio, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pillar Project. Our topic for the night is After Nines, the world of men who live heterosexual lives all day and come out, as it were, after dark. We hope that listening to the show so far has helped shed some light on this underground culture and heightened your awareness of just how complex the lives of After Nines can get. As we've heard in the last hour, being an after nine can carry some hefty emotional and physical burdens as you try to juggle the two separate sections of your life. It comes with a necessary awareness of sexual safety, which is even more important to keep in mind because of all who could be affected by the implications. Being an after nine can be a risky emotional situation too because of just how much the lifestyle can take a toll, not just on the after nine, but on the men they sleep with and the women they go home to. If any of these troubles are still on your mind, there's no need to worry as we'll be bringing you two more hours of content to set you at ease. I am your host Ray and with more time in the steam room to go, we hope that you'll stay with us as we continue to explore our topic for the night, the world of after nines. 
Coming up on the show, we'll be listening to more of what you have to say when we talk to more men about After 9. We also have some more expert advice firing your way as well as some helpful segments on barrier methods, STIs, and where to get help if you're an After 9 or are looking to become one. Because when it comes to being a man in this situation, making sure you protect yourself is the first step. This is the theme room brought to you by the South African National Department of Health, PILA Project. I'm your host, Ray, and I'll be with you for another two hours here on Gay SA Radio, where you are family. Stick with us tonight. It's time to get down and dirty. And so, we're on the second hour of the Steam Room here on GSA Radio, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pillar Project. I am your host, Ray, and in this hour, we'll be bringing you a whole lot more info on just what it means to be an after nine, with more talk, expert opinions, and music coming your way as we head into the night. myself an after nine certainly 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 not who me <laughs> i mean if you could just have a look at all of this oh no honey oh absolutely no never that could never be my life what a waste no as i said i'm a 24 7 <laughs> <laughs> i don't consider myself an after nine no no i'm also <laughs> definitely not no no. <laughs> okay. Ah, no, no. <laughs> I'm not bad anymore. <laughs> right. Reason why some men do this: um, some for pleasure, some for, you know, um, curiosity. Some is because really, really, um, they can't, you know, afford to live their, you know, their authentic and truest forms of themselves because of, you know, um, personal reasons. So there's like a lot of reasons why some men do this. Um, you know, you'd find that some do it for lust, you know, some just do it because, you know, they've heard a friend say this is nice, you know, so some do it because of their influence. There's, there's tons and tons of reasons why. I don't know what to fulfill their, uh, their dark uh, inner desires. Ooh. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a touchy issue for me to say identity crisis. Um, also, maybe wanting to explore traditional men, you know, that are raised in a certain way and now they are um, wanting to explore other things but they are afraid of exploring other things, you know. So maybe that's why, the, the fear of, of being judged. I think some men are just not willing to admit to their sexuality in a big way. And on the other side, some men just don't identify with anything. I mean, why should you label yourself if you like playing with boys as gay or if you like doing vocals and then as bi? Why can't you just be who you are? And I think that's what happens is that they don't identify with any of the labels that are out there. To have fun? Um, yeah, for, for a multitude of reasons, I would imagine. Um, you know, like it could be professional reasons, it could it could be personal fa familial reasons as well. Um, perhaps for them it's just easier uh, to be an after nine than to be completely out. Um, and perhaps some people just don't consider themselves then to, you know, for part of the LGBTQI community. Um, so they'd want to be like, no, I'm straight, but you know, I still, I still have sex with men. Um, and perhaps that's easier uh, identification for themselves, right? What do you think makes being an after nine more difficult than being out of the closet? Well, being an after nine is so difficult because you have to tread lightly in every circumstance due to the fact that you don't want anyone knowing about your lifestyle and you feel trapped. I would suffocate, literally suffocate and being out of the closet is just so much easier you know you are liberated you do not have to conform to what society has to say or think about you because you are so comfortable with who you are um, it's the fact that you know a lot of people are still conforming and a lot of people are still looking for love and acceptance and you know um, the amount of traditions and cultures that we have 
um, in our country, you know, there are some people who still feel like at this day and age they will not be accepted if they, you know, become who they are and they live their lives in the most authentic ways. And I think that's the one thing that makes it difficult for a lot of people who are like after nine or who are like in the closet. So that's the one thing, you know, acceptance is a very, very big deal. Acceptance is one thing that just terrifies everybody into being what everybody wants them to be instead of being what they want to be because it's always that question will they love me still will i be accepted you know will i still go to the same church will i still be the same person in my community so it, it it's one of those things that's you know that we can't get over um i suppose there's maybe there's social stigma attached to it mm-hmm. i'm assuming because you're basically living a lie you're hiding behind closed doors whereas you're not living your life freely if i had to go into the politician uh, um, realm i would say that um, the the politician themselves if they are perceived in a certain way by the whole country which is more conservative um, to just you know just being straight or you know so i think uh, yeah the general public wouldn't accept that and that's the stigma as well that comes with it so and maybe some of them are married you know two women so i think yeah that's that's why they wouldn't want to i think the facade that needs to be put up kind of constantly being something that you're not and keeping that up it must take a hell of a lot of energy uh probably the stories they have to tell about where they are going or why they are going there or what is they what are they going to do there or stuff like that um you know so as i said earlier on is you know the hiding and um you know secret keeping because there is almost like a double life that you're living almost um so i can imagine that you know living that double life the 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 excuses and lies that and secrets that need to be kept that come up can make it quite difficult do you have any advice for afternoons <laughs> just i don't know just be you and live your life freely do not hide yourself be very very safe uh it's your life live it the way you want it um obviously if if you want if you come out just know that there's going to be some repercussions or some acceptance from other people so uh, you'd never know until you try to be honest about it but be safe uh, it's, it's your choice what you want to do and um, yeah if you if you intake type of thing uh, just meet guys online i suppose like on the, on the social media websites or uh, yeah do you do it safely Uh, um and yeah I'm always you know around like honesty and loyalty um I think that one can't be loyal without honesty even if you are being loyal to multiple people so yeah yeah I think yeah do you do it safely be safe and uh, make sure that you don't hurt anybody's feelings in the process you know if you are telling lies don't let those lies catch up to you stop fooling around and come out to whatever you are or just be the person you are and be happy with it don't make a f- uh, fake life for yourself welcome back to the steam room here on gay sa radio brought to you by the south african national department of health pillar project i'm your host ray and in studio tonight i'm excited to welcome Paula Quincy, a relationship expert who's here to talk to us about how to protect yourself as an active after nine. Great, thank you. So my name's Paula Quincy. I'm a relationship expert, TEDx speaker and author of Embracing Conflict, and I work with individuals and organizations around relationship dynamics. So primarily things such as emotional intelligence, personal development, behavioral profiling, conflict management, and team dynamics. And then I think we're going to jump straight into questions. Um first one is would you say that after nineers are a high risk for STDs? I think it depends on whether they're practicing safe sex or not. And at the end of the day it is about personal responsibility. So if you want to keep yourself healthy, then you need to practice healthy safe sex uh, practices whether you're married, whether you have multiple partners, it's about protecting yourself first and foremost and then protecting your partner or partners. And which STIs are most common in this group? 
So it's generally common amongst all sexually active people, most common ones being HIV, AIDS, chlamydia, syphilis and crabs and herpes. And then what are the primary things these groups can do to protect themselves? So first of all, safe sex. So making use of, for example, condoms. Um, you can also stick to one partner versus multiple partners. You can also use PrEP in terms of making sure that you're preventing yourself or taking all the necessary measures to prevent yourself when it comes to STIs. And with regards to PrEP, uh, is there something you'd suggest for after nines? I would say definitely in terms of prevention is always better than cure. But as we know, there's nothing out there that is 100% safe. So take every precautionary measure that you can to keep yourself and your partners safe. Then after nanas meet, uh, usually meet at sex clubs. What are the risk aspects of these spaces? I think it depends on the level of the place that you go to and that you frequent. Are they, uh, you know, do they things such as hygiene, the other places clean, the type of people that you're meeting there. But the biggest risk is having penetrative sex without condoms. And for afternoners who have sex often, how regularly would you suggest that they should be tested for STIs? I would say minimum six months, but if you are very active and you have multiple partners, at least once a month. That was Paula Quincy talking to us about effective barrier methods for those who identify as afternoons. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. I am Ray, and this is The Steam Room, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's PILA Project. We met up with two gentlemen who chatted about their personal experiences with condoms. Their voices have been concealed to protect their identities. Do you always use condoms or not? Always. Uh, I try to, most of the times. Obviously, when you were younger, when I was younger, that is, I had my oopsies. But, you know, with everything else that is happening, you can just take the risk. But I remember reading something that there's always like those challenges where when you go multiple rounds and you go one round with a condom and some people go like second round without a condom and then the third round they go about it's with a condom. It's like that kind of exchange thing when it comes to condoms. Really? Yeah. It's the first time I've never experienced it. It's the first time I hear of it. I wouldn't. I don't know. But it just doesn't make sense for me to go with for the first and then the second with out because I'm like then why are you initially protecting if you're gonna just let it slip Go. just I like I think maybe that. it's a matter of comfortability and there's that yeah. connection no 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 <laughs> I, and, uh, not with everything that is happening I just okay. feel that you, you can't risk it yeah, there's just busy. so much going on that you know you just can't jump it up certain things absolutely um with me i i also always use condoms but then as you said when we were more young and juvenile we had our oopsies and i had mine as fair share but yeah. then luckily i went for every six months for some yeah. tests to make sure that i'm still okay and still fine but eventually yeah were you ready for for the outcome not always never yeah. actually right? like you're never ready for yeah. the results <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but I'm always like shaking and like shivering. No, true. I think because even if you still use condoms, yeah. you know, it's, it's that thing of the worst you case don't scenario, know. inverted commas. Yeah. And, and people lie as well. You get to be so trusting and, and then, yeah. True, very true. But then, yeah. Talking about condoms. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a situation where the condom breaks or it just slips off? <laughs> While Slip you guys off. are doing the frenakis? Slip off, definitely. Um, I can't recall when once when it broke, but then slip off, definitely. Um, it happens quite more often than it should. <laughs> but, then my, <laughs> but then when do you know? Do, do, do you feel I it? I feel it. I feel it. And if I'm with somebody that's responsible and cares for me, they normally tell me that they need to stop for a while just because it's slipped off and then they need to adjust. It's not every day that you have somebody no. who will read it. No, because no. I've been there and I'm actually yeah. asking you this because I've been there myself mm-hmm. where you'd actually be doing it and then, it, you know, you'd, you're like, something definitely feels, feels different. different. Yeah. And you, I, I don't know, but you, you're like, you're not 100% there because yeah. you're constantly, the back Thinking. of your mind, you're like, I need to make sure that the condom is still on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, you should, as you should, because that's what you you're taking care of yourself and not only yourself but you're protecting the person you're sleeping with too so making sure the condom is always fitted right and it's there is probably one of the first precautions i take and one i take throughout the whole intercourse period do you find it easier for you to put the condom on yourself onto your partner if you are receiving or just to let them 
you know, say, take care of it. I trust you enough. For me, it's not even to do with um, my preference or do I want to put it on, but then it's just that I enjoy fiddling around with it. It's more of a activation for me and kind of like a mood setter. Knowing what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Knowing what I'm dealing with. I don't know. What what do you, do you prefer or... For me, uh, I will be more at ease and more relaxed if Mm -hmm. I actually put the condom on to my partner, Uh, on on my partner myself. Because that way then I know that it is there, it is on. It is there. Properly, actually, you know, it's it's in place. Because as shocking as it is, there are still people who just don't know how to put the condom on, even if the instructions are there. You know, and like, dude... I wouldn't say crazy, but then as you said, it is there. Yeah, so it's just... Yeah, I just need to do that for me to be. So, would you would you think that it's really important that we all learn and educate ourselves on how condoms need to be put on? I would like to believe we should be at a stage where we know that, mm-hmm. but obviously, yeah, there is still an area for for education in that sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for your question. I think that was a great. No, definitely, man. Because sometimes you just ask yourself, you're like, you know what? You just need to make sure it's tight, it's mm. properly there. There's a space for when you release absolutely absolutely Um, and yeah and for any breakage you have extras yeah (laughs) it's actually quite funny because you know you you limit yourself well i find that i need to limit even if you've got lube and everything yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but during the intercourse session you you limit yourself you like you can't pound too much I, i don't know if you experience that like Yes, you are relaxed. You mm-hmm. are in the zone. But because, you know, you're dealing with latex after all. Yeah. Because you know what the happens. The strength of it. Exactly. Yeah. Because you know what happens. You're like, hey, you, you, can't, you can't go 100%. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just, just be cautious. Just be cautious. Do what you need to do. But, you know, at the same time, just monitor the impact or the pressure. Just for another Mary, like just for a third party question, in case somebody might ask this, but then it just really creeped up in my mind. What about double application of condoms? For me, that is, is it possible first. No, and, and people have this concept that you can actually do that. And that is the utter, it's the total opposite. Okay. Because then it's latex to latex. It's oh, rubber yeah. to rubber. So it's obviously bound to break. Oh. As compared to having a condom, lube, and flesh. And flesh. Yeah. Oh, and and it's, it's that whole misconception that people have that, oh, no, you know what? If I'm sleeping mm. with somebody who's a bit iffy or dodgy, then I can actually double up. And not and being aware of the material. If you are doubling up, then there's bound to be more friction and, and it will break easier. To, exactly. Hey, well, I just oh. learned something. Thank you, girl. <laughs> now that we are on a more funny <laughs> and lighter side, any funny stories about you and condoms during intercourse? <laughs> True. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm about to get very personal now. But yeah, um This is why we're here. No, 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 true. It's a spa- you know, it's a safe space yeah, after absolutely. all. It was my second year university and I had my session mm-hmm. with somebody and he had just climaxed and I was receiving right. and he was then obviously on top uh-huh. at that stage. But then I said to him, Don't pull out. Okay. Don't pull out as yet. Because I, I enjoy that. I know it's funny, but... No, not at all. It could be somehow different, it. but I enjoy the fact that, you know, you in me, just let it be in me. Just that whole connection. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I get like, it. That intimate I, exactly. moment of nothing. So we, we had that. Yeah. And obviously during the session, he was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he got a bit... Absolutely. Uh, Naturally. After after the full 100 meter run, he was just tired (laughs) and and relaxed. And obviously the budong budong shrinked to the usual size. Okay. (laughs) But then you need to remember, he is still in me. Yeah. Right? So obviously for me as well, with with the difference in diameter, I would go maybe from 80 to then 40. Okay. Right? And then he would then pull out and then the condom would still be stuck. Right, because remember now, yes, he was hard, and now he pulled out, and now my receptive yeah, organ yeah, yeah, yeah. has gone tight. Exactly. Did he help you get it out? <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny part. That's or the funny did you part. Have to, like, excuse me. I was like, I, I had to say to him, okay. So actually, this is how I noticed. So he pulled out. And as he pulled out, I was like, where is the condom? Because <laughs> that's the whole panic moment. Like, where is the condom? I'm so here. you did not feel it? No, no, no. It's just that you did not see it. I didn't see it, right? Okay. So it's a matter of us looking for the condom and I'm like, but it's no way. It's just the two of us. Right. right? 
and then there an aha moment yeah maybe let me go check (laughs) (laughs) i literally had to sit there with with my legs open to grant him access right for him to to get it out for him to actually pull it out so it was like really deep it it was there it was stuck and i had closed it in and he had to to go in okay pull it out so that was funny because i'm like okay I just got intimate with this guy. There's nothing to hide. But now that zone mm. kind of faded. Mm. And now it's like back to normal. And now he needs to put his hands up my... Please Main tell me China. this was your boyfriend then. Because... <laughs> it was a hookup. It was a hookup. It was actually... Like, a, oh. It wasn't like 100% hookup hookup. But it was somebody that I knew. And yeah. we we're just going to do Thank the you deed. respect your areola from now. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, with me, it was more of a situation. Not that as deep as yours. Yeah. But... Excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was when I was with uh, my one of my first boyfriends. And I was trying to give it to him okay. instead of receiving and i had to wear the condom and with no idea how and i was really really young so i put it on and when i made my way well in two yeah i failed so i had to what you mean by that like i couldn't get it in i didn't know how where i was right in his thighs and it was just a bit of a mess. <laughs> so okay. I had to just give up. And when I gave up, I didn't know how to like, apparently you need to roll off the condom. You don't just. So I hung on to like the edge of it and I tried just pulling it out. And it, it's just slapped my dick. Of course. <laughs> of course. So then it goes to the front and then. Yeah. And it was the most painful, craziest thing ever. I just screamed and he was like, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> but yeah, and I eventually... I was around after 20 minutes. We got back to it. (laughs) No, I wouldn't have. But that was my condom experience. Uh, To this day, like every time I need to tell the story, I just cringe. After how many glasses of wine? But I'm like, you can't, you know, that is the most intimate level that anybody could ever go into. Yeah, it's like you got nothing to hide now. You need to open up for me to get this out and I'm helping you. But there were not any other after like reactions? No. It just sticking around? No. (laughs) But you know what actually got to me? It's just the sound that it made as well. Oh, don't tell me it's squeaked. No. no, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you're pulling it out. Yeah. It's a whole... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but thank God it was still intact. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Keep streaming with us here on Gay SA Radio, where you are family. Let's get some more voices in on the matter as we keep exploring the world of After Nines. So, just between us queers. So, do either of you identify as After Nine or have ever identified as an After Nine? No, I've never identified as an After Nine. I can tell you, I've never, I've never identified as an after nine, but there was a period when I was married when I might not have been completely faithful. So I might have been an after nine. <laughs> <laughs> Just by default, I think. <laughs> but um, do you know any after nines? Oh, absolutely. I, I know quite a few from when I was a bit younger, university days. Um, there's quite a lot of um, after nines everywhere, especially in the townships um, when growing up. There's a lot of guys who have got wives, who have girlfriends during the day, but in the evening, they really chat you up when you go out drinking and yeah, things happen from there. Is it an after nine just another word for a bisexual man? Absolutely not. I really? Don't, I don't think so. Um, I think actually maybe it could be thinking they, about it now. kind of bisexual in a way if they, if they have a, 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 you know, sort of both sides of the fence. But I, I, I think personally an after nine, could be bisexual, mm-hmm. but not all bisexuals are after nines. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of get trapped in marriages as well, especially in, in, in Indian communities or yeah. people with arranged, kind of arranged marriages. Yeah. And I know a lot of, I can't say I know a lot of people, but I've, I've been with some people yeah. <laughs> who, who have slipped away for the afternoon or something and yeah. then have to be back at a certain time. I mean, it happens a lot. Um, there, there's also guys who don't identify as bisexual, but they do things with guys in gay sex clubs mm. just because, On the for way example, home, their, their yeah. wives wouldn't agree to oral sex, mm-hmm. perhaps, or their wives wouldn't want to do certain things that mm-hmm. um, people in a sex club would want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it could be. Bisexual, some could be just heterosexual men looking for some extra fun. Who was the first after nine you've ever met? 
Even more interesting, when was the term after nine first used? It's like blessed just came into use at some point. Yeah. Eh? Because I don't think we were aware of it until it got a name. It's, it's a TV yeah, show. Yeah. There's a TV show that had a name as well. Yeah, there, there's a story that um, it was called After Nine His Story. So it was um, a story about a man who was married and he had a wife. But, you know, just to quickly go back to your question, I'm actually thinking now, back when I was in high school, I used to date an after nine in high school. This guy, we were together uh, during in the afternoons on weekends. He would come to my place, but at school, we were just friends. And he, when I went to university, he didn't have a child with a girl and we continued seeing each other. And, you know, he would still come and see me. He didn't introduce me to his girlfriend as his friend and their child. So so that was my first experience of an after nine. So I've had a recent experience on Grinder with somebody who doesn't stay far, but he would only slip out at midnight when everybody's asleep. And then he would quietly slip out and go and come back later. Mm. There's another question. Does an after nine have to have a wife or girlfriend? Can it also be hiding from parents? Isn't it about secretive sex though? But it, it, it has that implication of being married, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at least a, a, a woman in that in the picture somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or somebody who doesn't want. I mean, you're right. It could Maybe be also parent, you know? could also be a gay man or a bisexual man, an MSM man who just Deep doesn't want people to know what he's mm-hmm. doing, and he prefers to do it only when no one is watching. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it could be any sexual orientation, really. Do you agree with people being optimized? Do you think it's acceptable for people to do this? I think that it's um, to each their own, as long as people are doing it in a safe way. What about pe- the wife? You know, that's co- it's, it's very complex. I think that as human beings, we tend to have an understanding of everything. We want to research things. We want to have things in a certain way in boxes. I don't know. Maybe the wives sometimes know and they just pretend like they don't know. You know, there are some wives who might have seen text messages. They might have seen emails, whatever, credit card statements. And they know, but they just want to stay in the marriage for the sake of the kids, not to be publicly humiliated. So it's not necessarily always wives who don't know. So it's, it's a bit complex. I don't, I don't think that there's a clear answer to your question, honestly. I have an issue if, if somebody hurts somebody else by mm. doing something. So if you're in a sexual relationship and a marriage relationship with somebody and then you have something on the slide that that person doesn't know about, it has the potential to be very harmful mm. to both that person and your relationship. So as much as one understands that people have needs and you can't judge really people and what they do and why they do things, I'm concerned that people would get hurt in the process. Also, I just think in a purely sexual health perspective, it's almost the same thing as like when someone's just unfaithful in a quote unquote regular relationship, you're not putting the other person, the third party at risk because now they don't know that you're sleeping around. Mm-hmm. Now they might make assumptions about your sexual health, which may not be true. Yeah. I mean, I think also, I mean, to touch on what you're saying now, it's just very important for anybody who is doing this. If, if you're an after nine, you know, if you feel comfortable in doing it, um, and if you, we're not going to judge. I, I, you know, from the work that I do, we, we don't, we don't judge people. You, so you let them be, but let, be safe about it. I mean, that's what we emphasize. Just make sure that you protecting everybody that you're with, um, you're sleeping with. So get prep, get pep, get use condoms, whatever, but just be safe about it. And in a marriage, most probably there won't be condoms and all that sort of thing uh-huh. because it's on the assumption that yeah, this yeah. is a closed relationship with certain rules, if that is what they agree to. Mm. Then um, it becomes doubly more important to protect your partner then by playing extra safe mm-hmm. when you actually go out and, and hunt. We hope you enjoyed that little music break. Now getting straight back into it here on The Steam Room, we're proud and excited to welcome back Bruce Little from Minova, who's here to talk to us about the psychological side of things. Why do you think some men choose to have secret sex at night? I think there's a variety of numbers. You know, men who have secret sex are as varied as you get any type of man. So there's a million reasons why we do the things that we do. So it's very difficult for me to be able to say this is exactly why they do it. Some men have secret sex with other men because it's exciting, because it's a taboo. And sometimes when something is a taboo or it's secret, it it adds to the, the sexual tension and it adds to the excitement around the act. It makes it even more exciting. And for other men, it's literally a case of, I don't want my family or community to know that I'm having sex with other men because they will judge me or they will see me as being less than what I am or less than how they currently perceive me. So there's a myriad of reasons as to why somebody would choose to be an after nine. And what would you say are some of the biggest issues these men have to face? 
I think one of the big issues I would assume for somebody living in the shadows or somebody living in a secretive lifestyle is that I think there must be quite a lot of isolation and loneliness. If you're living a lie or a secret, then a part of you feels like anyone who's been in the closet, you know, so these men are essentially in the closet for most of the people in their lives. And it's the usual pain that one would associate with living in the closet. Everyone you know doesn't really know you. And so what happens is that you can't help but wonder, do these people really love me? Do these people really, and does my wife really love me? Does my parents really love and understand me? Because they don't know who I am. I'm hiding this major part of myself and my sexuality is a very big part of myself. And I think it's just, it's also the, the fear of being discovered. I think it must be really frightening to be a, an after nine who is engaging in sexual acts with other men, you know, behind the backs of their friends, family and community. And then the possibility of being exposed and all the things that come with being exposed, now being exposed to discrimination, maybe being disowned by their families or having, you know, the threat of maybe being left by their spouses. There's just so many things that could go wrong. And that's the case with any kind of clandestine lifestyle where you're keeping things from the people you're closest to. And do you have any advice for after niners who are dealing with feelings of guilt or shame? I would say my advice for any person who identifies as an after niner, just, you know, educate yourselves and you can educate yourself on the down low as well. So you can go online using your smartphone or, you know, an internet cafe where somebody can't see what you're looking at. And just go on to different websites like wethebrave.co.za or healthformen.co.za and find out how you can have sex with other men in a safer way. You know, there's just so many things that people assume they know about HIV and STIs. And, and unfortunately, the thing is, people assume that you'll be able to see with the naked eye that somebody else has an STI. But many, many people have syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and a number of other STIs, but they're asymptomatic, which means you can't see the symptoms. So you can't see that this person has these STIs and they can easily give it to you. So I would say just educate yourself and because, you know, knowledge is power. And also the more you know about who you are and what's at risk for yourself, then the less chance there will be of being in danger and hopefully then less chance of feeling ashamed or feeling insecure about who and what you are. And do you have any advice for after niners who are afraid of coming out? I think it's the same advice that I would give to anybody about coming out. So whether or not you're an after niner or you're anyone who's living in the closet, there are pros and cons. The cons are that there is a very real risk uh, for a number of people to be disowned or to get a backlash from the family or those people closest to you who are ignorant about homosexuality or bisexuality and people who are discriminatory about it because of religious or cultural beliefs. So you need to know that there is a possibility that you will be discriminated against you and make sure that you are safe, that you are in a situation where when you disclose this information about yourself, that you're not in a situation where you can be a assaulted or you can be attacked, you know, because unfortunately we live in a country where in many communities, if you do come out as LGBTQIA+, you are at risk of violence because that's how it manifests in many communities with throughout the continent of Africa. So be safe, make sure that when you divulge this information to another person that you can trust that person and that you are in an environment where you can take care of your own well-being. And then what would you say to wives or girlfriends listening who have after niners as their significant others? It's a tough situation. You know, any part, uh, anyone who's involved in a relationship who suspects that their partner is engaging in sexual acts with other people has a responsibility to themselves and their partner to take care of themselves and the situation. So if you suspect your partner is having sex with anybody else, whether that person is, you know, having sex with other men or other women, doesn't matter. You need to protect yourself. Number one, you can try and insist on the use of condoms every time you and your husband or your boyfriend engage in sexual acts. I know that that's difficult because, uh, you know, there's the stigma or this belief, preconceived notion that if you're married to somebody or you've been in a long-term relationship with them, that you should be able to have unprotected sex. That is not the case. You can insist that your partner uses protection or alternatively, you can go to the clinic and explain to the healthcare provider that you would like to go on to pre-exposure prophylaxis, otherwise known as PrEP. So if you test HIV negative and you suspect that your partner may be engaging in sexual acts that could bring a threat of STIs into your lovemaking, then you as an HIV negative person can go and test yourself 
first of all, to know what your status is. It's always good to know what your status is in terms of all the STIs. And if you test negative, then you, the way you can stay HIV negative is to go on to PrEP. And PrEP takes seven days to activate fully. And then even if your partner does become infected with HIV themselves, they will not be able to pass it on to you. Do you think that an after-niner can live a well-rounded and stable life? I think it's up to the individual whether or not they can live an, a well-rounded and established life. You know, I think... It depends on the relationship that the after-niner has with their spouse. I think if you're in a relationship where your wife or partner knows that you are engaging in sexual acts with other people and there's everything is transparent and everything, you know, relationships are based on trust. If there is no trust, then I begin to think that the relationship is in trouble. But if you're playing open cards with your partner and if you're engaging in sexual acts while using protection and all the involved parties are, are taking all the necessary preventative protection, caution. So if you're HIV negative, everybody involved is taking PrEP. If you're HIV positive, then everybody involved is on ARVs and you've been on ARVs religiously so that you are undetectable, which means the HIV is so low in your bloodstream that you can't pass it on to another person. Then all of those things should allow a relatively healthy, well-rounded existence going forward. You know, there will always be complications in relationships in life. So there's no guarantees that a relationship is always going to be smooth. But I think it is definitely possible for an after nine individual to lead a happy and well-rounded life. That was Bruce Little. Thank you for joining us. If you're an after nine who may be worried about specific illnesses and how to get treated for them should they crop up, our next segment is here to help put you at ease by letting you know where you can go about seeking help. We spoke to Johan Meyer from Out LGBT Wellbeing. Can you tell me a bit more about what your role is in Out? As health manager, it is basically my responsibility and duty to oversee the basic operations of the organization. And of these, it include the clinic that we have. We have an on-site clinic and it's the only clinic in Pretoria that is there for specifically key populations and MSM is one of the specific key populations. So our clinic is the only one. There are some other clinics in Johannesburg and Cape Town, but they are very few. So then also part of my responsibilities is to oversee the outreach activities that we have. We have a very extensive outreach program because one can imagine that not everybody has the resources to access our services where we are. So we are also taking the services to the community. So we have an outreach program where our outreach teams go out to two sites every day of the week, including Saturdays. And all of the services that we offer at the clinic, we also offer them in field. Okay, so where are you guys based? We are in Hatfield in Pretoria which is quite well located because it is very close to the Gautrain station. It is also close to the Metro Rail station and it is based or situated on one of the main taxi routes where all the taxis pass. So let's talk about the services you guys have on offer. I know you've got the clinic. What else is there? I just want people to have a clear expectation of what they can get from out. First of all, our work is mainly focused on HIV and the reduction of HIV or the reduction of the spread of HIV. So that means we offer HIV testing services free of charge. Maybe without me having to say free of charge every time, all of our services are free of charge because they are funded. So it's HIV testing services. Should a person test positive, we are able to initiate a person on ARV treatment. And we are able to do the management. So if a person has to come back every six months, every 12 months for repeat blood tests like the CD4 count test or the viral load test, we are able to offer that free of charge. We offer PEP, which is post-exposure prophylaxis. It's a form of ARV medication that a person uses for a month, roughly, after accidental exposure to or potential exposure to HIV. And this then prevents the person from getting HIV. We also, since April last year, we are one of the very few sites in the country where we can offer PrEP medication free of charge to MSM specifically. PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is also a form of ARV medication, but it prevents a person from getting HIV. So if a person knows that they are potentially exposed to HIV, on a regular basis because they are high at risk. It might be because of behavior patterns or whatever it might be that they have a partner that is HIV positive. 
these people are then eligible to access PrEP medication. And this medication you can use on an ongoing basis, on a daily basis, and that prevents you from getting HIV as well. Apart from these, we also offer general consultations. We do STI, that is the sexually transmitted infections, screenings and basic treatment. If it's more complicated, we would refer a person. We also offer TB screenings. Unfortunately, we are not able to offer treatment in this case. We also have mental health services, which is a counseling service. We have lay counselors on site who are able to also help in this regard. Awesome. So if somebody wants to find out or contact you guys, how do they do so? It's quite easy. You could phone the landline number 012-430-3272 to make an appointment. We work on an appointment basis. And the reason for that is we would like to prevent as far as possible any waiting times for a person. So we work on an appointment basis. We would not, if a person is a walk-in client and there is an emergency, we would try to accommodate that person, however. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ethan. That was Johan Mayer from Out LGBT Wellbeing talking to us about the organization. And that's it from us tonight as the steam room shuts its doors for the evening. Thanks to all of you who dropped your trousers, grabbed a towel and got hot and sweaty with us here on Gay Say Radio tonight as we explored the topic of after nines. We hope that what you've learned here tonight helps you better navigate the world around you and has left you a whole lot more informed. Especially for all those of you out there who identify as after nines or have relationships with men who fall into this group. As for next week, we'll be with you again from 7 to 10 p.m. on Wednesday night to delve into the topic of daytime sex, the issues and technicalities which affect the world of men who get down and dirty during the day. As usual, we'll be joined by some experts to discuss this hot topic as well as bringing you the word on the streets and our usual panel segments all geared towards exploring the world of daytime sex. We'll also be premiering a new radio drama written exclusively for Gay SA Radio, which will give you a fly-on-the-wall-style look into this world. But that's all from us tonight here on the Steam Room on Gay SA Radio, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pillar Project. I'm your host, Ray, and it's been a pleasure spending time with you tonight. All of us here at the station hope you check in with us next week as we keep talking frankly and honestly about the issues affecting you.